Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Video and Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. And as normal, we continue to bring you information and specific topics as COVID is affecting uh, all issues regarding family law, especially before, during, and after divorce for guys facing that issue, uh, as well as the pandemic affecting unemployment. You know, as we've seen, latest we're now over 40 million. You know, I guess collectively unemployed. That always affects the ability to pay spousal support and child support, and that's something we're going to talk about today, particularly alimony or maintenance spousal support. But as always, as we begin, uh, this is not to be taken as an attorney-client relationship, nor is it taken as advice. I continue to tell you that this is really speaking, talking points, educational. We want you to write these things down and, and go find an attorney who deals in family law, uh, and you can uh, write these questions down and, and ask those uh, of the attorney. And if you obviously need a consult, you can consult with us at 866-DADS-LAW or find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. So today we have joining us uh, Christopher out of our Nebraska office. Welcome. Thank you, Scott. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're glad to join, have you join us. And uh, obviously, and uh, we want to hear and guys watching and uh, listening also want to know what's going on with the court system in Nebraska. You know, you hear around the country and I've talked to a lot of our Cordell attorneys from all corners and and it varies state to state. Some are closed, some are open. You know, the word closed gives these uh, notions that, you know, the doors, and the lights are off, but really what's going on in Nebraska? So it depends really on what part of the uh, state that you're in. Um, in Nebraska, we've got kind of two major hotspots for, for the COVID-19 outbreak, uh, one of which is Douglas County, which is uh, the Omaha metropolitan area. Uh, the other, uh, kind of surprisingly, is Hall County, which is Grand Island towards the center of the state. Um, for a population of only 48,000, they're consistently listed as one of the highest outbreak places uh, in the United States as far as per capita goes. Uh, so if you're dealing with either one of those two counties, uh, you're more likely to see delays, uh, more likely to see judges pushing court dates out, uh, more likely to see uh, very scant hearings being conducted only kind of on an emergency type basis. Uh, however, uh, where I'm at, which is Lincoln, uh, state capital, uh, we're effectively acting as if it's normal, uh, with the exception of almost all hearings are by either telephone or uh, via Zoom, WebEx, some type of uh, video conferencing system. Uh, my practice uh, is not only in Lincoln, but kind of a lot of the uh, more rural counties in the state, uh, which is where I grew up. And a lot of those counties are experiencing utilizing Zoom and utilizing these telephone hearings for the first time. And while there's definitely some hiccups going on, uh, the court system in Nebraska is uh, working, I would say, close to 80% capacity. Um, if you need a hearing, uh, yes, they're delayed a little bit where you would be looking at maybe 10 or 12 days uh, prior to COVID-19, you're probably looking closer to uh, 20 to 25 days as far as getting a court date, but uh, it's not something where all court dates have been pushed out to the middle of November uh, or closed in its entirety as some states have seen. Yeah, that's that's huge news. I mean, if you talk, I mean, gosh, for about 11 weeks now, I've been talking to attorneys from around the country and, you know, particularly here where I am in St. Louis County, Missouri, what typically a, a typical divorce would take six to eight months, we're probably looking at double that, uh, maybe even more. 
Uh, we have no hearings going on. It's, it's, it's just really very interesting. And I think it, it really boils down to the organization of port systems and their ability to just press forward. And that's really great news for guys in Nebraska who have pressing issues that they want to get things moving. And albeit you're doubling perhaps the days of hearing, but that's only by days rather than months and years. And so that's really good news for guys watching right now that have pressing issues like child support or alimony, because, you know, as I mentioned early in the beginning here, you know, the, the job data uh, comes out every Thursday and we have another 2 million added to the rolls. Collectively, we're over 40 million. Obviously, we're, we're kind of leveling out around the 21 million mark of unemployed and half of those are more guys and half of that probably around 9 million uh, are guys that probably are looking at their paycheck. They don't have it anymore. They're looking at unemployment and they're trying to figure out how do I make an alimony payment? And so that's what we want to talk about today. And, and uh, really, maybe you can kind of open the door to talk a little bit about, first and foremost, I think I always tell guys when they want to talk about modifying their maintenance or alimony, pull out your judgment, right? And take a look. And what are you looking for in your judgment and whether you can modify it? So uh, typically, at least in Nebraska, um, your state may vary, of course. Um, the decrees are split up into different sections. Um, most of the decrees that I draft and most of them that I see where we're looking at modifying, there's a specific spouse support, maintenance, uh, alimony section. Um, in that section, there should be wording uh, that either is completely absent or uh, is very specific in how things uh, will be modified from an alimony perspective. Uh, that could include a spouse cohabitating with a new individual. Uh, that could be, or sorry, former spouse. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be um, five years or 10 years or 20 years. Uh, that could be once a certain amount is paid. That could be once other things are satisfied, such as uh, the spouse uh, earning a significant amount of money. Um, or it could just be completely silent, at which point uh, the statutes of your state and the case law of your state are going to determine uh, when you're able to modify and uh, what exactly you're able to do. So in the event that you look at your decree, that you look at, at uh, your order that would dissolve your marriage, um, you shouldn't necessarily be surprised if something is not there. Uh, in fact, if, if it's absent, that's probably most of the uh, orders that I see, uh, they're missing that uh, particular provision for modification. And that just means that uh, it's even more important for you to seek out professional legal advice for somebody who practices in family law, because at that point, uh, they're going to know the laws, they're going to know the cases, they're going to know uh, exactly how it's possible and what qualifications you would need to meet to make that modification or even termination in some cases. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's many guys are I know I've consulted with are desperate. Uh, they agreed to uh, a fixed term, uh, you know, just call it five years, $500 a month, uh, non-modifiable, and, and they don't know how to pay it and, and they're looking to modify it. And, and there's not a lot of help we can provide them to modify something that is a fixed rate, non-modifiable judgment. Especially in Missouri, we have the same thing where it's either modifiable or not, or, or uh, non-modifiable, and so you just got to pull it out. And and you know it's the best one hour you spend with an attorney to review the terms and find ways uh, to get relief for guys. So, you know, from the guy's perspective, they're you know, they're they've now pulled out their judgment, listening to us and watching, and they, they realize that they can modify. And that really the question becomes. There are a number of ways to modify. You know, we always talk about uh, in, in all of the podcasts here and including the virtual town hall, 
communicating with your ex-spouse first, you know, putting them on notice that either you're unemployed, that you, you know, you're having trouble making the payments. And don't you agree, maybe seek um, a consent to try to modify, see if there's an ability to do it without, you know, you know ringing up the till and, and, and incurring a lot of attorney's fees before you go and file, right? Absolutely. Um, it's always easier to be nice first and mean later if it's necessary. It's a lot more difficult to start out mean and then turn around and try and seek some type of an agreement. Um, just a simple phone call to your spouse, uh, especially your ex-spouse, especially if uh, you tend to have a decent relationship or, or a decent co-parenting relationship, uh, something along those lines. Uh, it's usually the fastest, the most economical way to modify alimony. Um, in Nebraska, at least, uh, you draft up an agreement, you just ask the court for approval, and the court takes it from there. Um, they pretty much handle everything after that. Um, again, if you're able to start out nicely, uh, the only thing that you're losing, uh, if they tell you no, is, well, they told you no, then you get to go uh, the maybe not so nice route or the more difficult route, and you still have options open at that point. So, you know, the word of caution for guys is uh, always, well, you know, I reached out, she agreed, and, uh, you know, we put it in writing that, you know, that should be good enough, right? Uh, they don't need to go to court. And in, in certain jurisdictions that I'm not licensed in, that may be the case. I would strongly doubt that. Um, yeah. Almost always you're going to need some type of approval from the court, uh, whether that be a quick one line from the judge just saying, this stipulation is approved, signed me. Um, or whether that be something much more formalized, uh, it's it's almost certainly going to need some type of approval from the court. Yeah, and I don't, uh, you know, I think the message that I always say is, I'm not suggesting don't do it, don't get something in writing, because I think ultimately, if you reach an agreement with your spouse in the nice way, and you begin making payments that are lower than what's court ordered, with the prospect that you will file the motion to modify to get this approved. Now you at least have a defense if she comes back and says, well, no, he's paid less and I never agreed to that. Well, now you have it in writing. And, and in some jurisdictions, it may be a good defense for you. And so I think it's, as you suggest, it, it certainly is a good thing to do, but it should always be followed up with a court approval to make sure that it's signed and sealed. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So, you know, if, if you guys have reached out now, they've tried to get their uh, ex-spouse to agree and, and uh, they don't want to, uh, which it happens, no doubt. Uh, retroactive uh, application. We've talked a lot about that in the, in the nature of child support, uh, where we've said, you know, get filed soon because you want to give the court the ability to make any future order retroactive. And can you explain that in Nebraska, uh, what that line of demarcation is kind of when retroactive applies and what it really means? So it's more or less going to depend on what judge you have, what jurisdiction you have. Uh, however, the, uh, I guess, bright line rule would be, uh, when did you file that? If you filed the document on uh, June 1st, um, that gives the judge a hard date, uh, even in, you know, September, October, 
where the judge can relate back and say, at this point, we definitely had a change in circumstances. It was brought to the court's attention. That is something easy for the judge to point to and say, you know what, we're going to relate it back to this date. Um, on the other hand, if you filed on June 1st, uh, but your, let's say, job loss started when COVID-19 started in late March, early April, uh, it's going to be much more difficult to show the judge and, and to get, I guess, the judge to think that you're reasonable uh, in most jurisdictions to relate it back when you had months where you could have done something and instead chose not to. Uh, so it's definitely more important to get things on file sooner rather than later to give the judge a hard date when they can relate things back. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to wait for guys, especially in this pandemic, when you have major job loss, major uh, income decreases. You know, they think, well, we'll wait it out till this all blows over and becomes easier. You're really losing time. The advantage of asking for a decrease and, you know, making it back to the date of filing and giving the judge every potential form of relief for guys out there to give you some sense, you know, that you can get something, even if it's not until the future, at least it dates back. And I think that's key. We've been trying to stress this for 11 weeks now is, you know, you need to really consult and you really need to file if you've got it. But that really brings up the question, you know, guys are saying, okay, do I have enough? What is the standard for a modification? You know, we've heard, you know, in my jurisdiction, you know, in Missouri, it's a substantial and continuing change of circumstances. And we talked a little bit about that in my podcast yesterday. But is that the standard in Nebraska or what is it? Uh, we use different wording. Um, the first easy one is, is there wording in the decree uh, that says this shall be a condition when you can change? Uh, if it's not there, then the standard is essentially the same as it would be in Missouri, uh, but it's an unforeseen change in circumstances, not in contemplation uh, by the parties at the time of the entry of decree that has existed for at least three months and is likely to exist for an additional six months. Uh, essentially, it's the same thing where something big happened that you couldn't have seen. For instance, COVID-19, I lost my job for three months. Uh, or I had a reduction in pay. Um, a large object fell on me and, and crushed my leg. I can't work um, maybe permanently. Mm -hmm. uh, the law changed and there's no way that I could have known that the legislation was going to change. Or uh, maybe my former spouse who for five years has uh, lived kind of a lone life is now cohabitating with somebody, a new significant other, and uh, they're sharing bills, they're sharing space. Uh, for some reason, her her need for support has gone down. Those are things that you couldn't have predicted when you got divorced, uh, but nevertheless, uh, sometimes life happens. And yeah. uh, when life happens, the courts in Nebraska at least generally have a uh, understanding that, well, maybe you could come in and at least ask for a modification, whether that be a shorter term or a lower amount paid or both. Yeah, I mean, I think that even the COVID, now we're almost three months into this, um, since really early March, you know, at, we're at the end. And so even a positive diagnosis of COVID may qualify as a disability. You know, you know obviously it's got to be continuing in nature, but it may have led to a job loss or furlough. Uh, those are the things guys are looking at. And, and I guess that's one of the reasons, you know, you've talked about is it's job loss, disability, change of income. Any of those would probably trigger something so long as it's lasted more than three months. And in Nebraska, that's that's definitely the case. Obviously, your your decree will control, uh, but if uh, you don't have anything in the decree that says when you can modify, uh, and you're just relying on the statutes, uh, you're just looking for something big that uh, what we 
we attorneys call an act of God uh, yeah. that you couldn't have foreseen, and and it's big enough to happen that uh, it causes your entire life to shake. Wow. So I guess the thing really is, um, we talked about this yesterday in child support in my podcast, does an increase in the recipient, uh, the, the recipient of the maintenance, alimony, spousal support, you know, would that trigger the potential for a guy who's watching to say, you know what, I know she got a huge job increase with a big payday and a big bonus. Is that enough to potentially trigger emotional modified to decrease? Absolutely. Um, if you think of the purpose behind alimony, the purpose behind maintenance is uh, you have one spouse who, for whatever reason, uh, is at a financial uh, disadvantage when leaving the marriage. That could be that uh, a husband decided to stay at home and uh, be a stay-at-home dad, or it mm -hmm. could be a wife who uh, gave up uh, income in order to uh, go back to school or left school where she was going to be or he was going to be a doctor and instead has been uh, working at your local fast food restaurant. Uh, in the event that uh, your spouse, uh, your wife, goes back to school and becomes a doctor, obviously that's going to make a significant change in most people's income. And that money that the husband is paying to the wife to kind of bring her back up uh, to a level uh, of a standard of living that they had during the marriage uh, is no longer necessary. Uh, in many cases, she could be making more money. Uh, she wins the lottery and wins $10 million. Uh, the $500 a month she's getting from her husband probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense at that point because $500 for her is a drop in the bucket, but $500 for him may be the difference between uh, eating rice and beans or uh, eating a hamburger that day. Yeah. A couple other things that come up uh, routinely in, in, in our virtual town hall when we talk about it is cohabitation. Uh, guys will say, hey, my ex-spouse is now living with her boyfriend. Uh, you know, is that something I should be looking for, particularly in the decree that answers that? Or is that law in Nebraska that once she cohabitates for a semi-permanent basis, it's almost like a pseudo marriage? Is that enough to modify or terminate? Uh, in some states, it might be. Uh, it's not enough. Uh, on its face. It's not enough to just say she's living with a new person and therefore my, uh, my alimony should terminate, unless, of course, it's in your decree. If it says in your decree, once the other party starts cohabitating with somebody else, then uh, it, it terminates that uh, obligation, then absolutely that controls. However, assuming that your decree is like most decrees and is silent, uh, the trick is going to become proving that that cohabitation is somehow benefiting your ex-spouse so significantly that it would justify, uh, under the circumstances, your alimony being reduced or terminated. Um, again, the trick is going to be proving that. Uh, you're going to have to determine, are they living as if they are a couple, uh, mm -hmm. as in uh, living together, sharing the same spaces, purchasing large items together, uh, having joint bank accounts, things of that nature. Um, is she benefiting significantly financially from this cohabitation relationship. And if that is the case, uh, then that's at least a reason to seek out an attorney and discuss this more further, uh, or more fully, excuse me. Um, but it does not necessarily on its face in Nebraska justify that reduction in uh, alimony. Um, even if it does, uh, the trick is you need to get the proof. You need to be able to show that uh, this person is uh, receiving that financial benefit. And because of that, uh, attorneys have tricks up their sleeve where uh, you can employ a private investigator or they will have access to 
uh, websites that the general public has access to but just doesn't know about, uh, things of that nature where the attorney could help you at least explore that option. Yeah. And last question, I know we have running out of time, but you know, now guys, I can imagine here watching, they're thinking, okay, I've been fortunate enough. I haven't received you know, a decrease in pay. I've got my job. I feel pretty secure. Uh, my pay hasn't gone up drastically. It's pretty much remained the same, but now I'm worried because my ex-spouse may have lost her job. And is that enough? You know, do I need to be concerned that she's going to take me back to court to try to increase the maintenance? And that's always a question that we get. In Nebraska, uh, I would say that that is almost never a concern. Uh, the the change in circumstances would have to be just so absolutely extreme to justify that, uh, that I can't even think of a fact pattern where it would work. Um, however, uh, if you are concerned about that, it never hurts to have that opening conversation with uh, somebody who has practiced in family law so that you can at least get ahead of the ball if it turns out that that does in fact become an issue. Uh, just because it's unlikely to happen does not necessarily mean that your ex-spouse can't take you back to court and request it to happen. And right. if you have that developed relationship uh, with an attorney, it definitely helps you uh, get ahead of the game and uh, get a, a good handle on whatever defenses you might have to uh, her trying to raise that alimony. Yeah. Well, Christopher, thank you. That's great stuff. I know in a very appropriate moment, you know, especially when we're talking about the big unemployment numbers and the, the devastation of jobs. So thanks for joining and, and providing great insight for guys watching. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thank you, Scott. And Christopher is always available to uh, consult uh, 866-DADS-LAW over anywhere in Nebraska. You can reach out to our offices there or on the web at cordellcordell.com. And uh, you can seek out more information. I know we just gave you a little bit of 15 to 20 minutes of uh, information, but there's so much more. And each of your cases, particularly as Christopher mentioned, your decree has language in it that we need to review. And it may alter what we talk about and the path that we recommend for you. So uh, reach out to us at cordellcordell.com or 866-DADS-LAW. So again, thank you for joining us as we continue to bring you the latest information of how COVID-19 continues to affect family law. We'll continue to do this every day. Tune in on Thursdays to our virtual town hall where you'll have the opportunity to join in live, ask questions of our panel, and get answers. So we'll see you on Thursdays. And until next time, have a great week.